Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. He replied to him, Friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator? Then he said to the crowd, Take care to guard against all greed, for though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Then he told them a parable. There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, What shall I do? For I do not have space to store my harvest. And he said, This is what I shall do. I shall tear down my barns and build larger ones. There I shall store all my grain and other goods, and I shall say to myself, Now as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your life will be demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? Thus it will be for all who store up treasure for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God. The Gospel of the Lord. I will never forget how Archbishop Fulton Sheen described how we struggle with three different sins at three different times in our life. See if you can relate to this. He said, when we are young, we tend to struggle with lust and sexual sins. When we are middle-aged, we must contend with ambition and power climbing the company ladder, becoming the head honcho. And then in our golden years, we want to accumulate more gold. (laughs) That is, greed and avarice is the enemy of the elderly. The three main sins that plague us during life, therefore, are money, sex, and power. And by the way, that is why priests and nuns take three vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience to help us resist this triple threat of money, sex, and power. Think about it. Poverty resists money and greed. Chastity overcomes sexual impulses. And obedience is the antidote to ambition. Is it my way or the highway? Or will I let someone else steer? In other words, the Christian moral contest can be summed up by the choice between money, sex, and power or poverty, chastity, and obedience. In the gospel today, Jesus addresses the third of this triple threat, namely greed or money or possessions. Jesus warns, take care to guard 
against greed. For though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. And by the way, if we Americans are honest, we have to admit that this is the vice we have to work hardest to overcome. Why else would there be such a popular television show called American Greed? (laughs) We are tempted to worship wealth. Why do Americans buy billions of dollars worth of lottery tickets every year? Because we all dream of one day getting rich quick. A friend of mine always says that whenever we drive by a casino, That beautiful building was built by losers. (laughs) In other words, most people who go to casinos lose money. But we keep going. And that is how they built such magnificent structures like the famous Las Vegas Strip. Many immigrants, my family included, come to America hoping to live the American dream which sometimes ends up being the next episode of American Greed. Now let me insert an important clarification here so you do not misunderstand me. Jesus does not say that money and possessions or wealth are evil in themselves. In other words, he's not saying that all rich people are going to hell. But on the other hand, Jesus does say that it will be hard for the rich to go to heaven. Why? Well, when we become obsessed with wealth, then other priorities like faith and family and friends take a back seat. So is there any way to balance both? Well, Jesus himself gives us an example. He had affluent friends like Martha and Mary and and Lazarus in Bethany, whom he often visited. Because they were such close friends, Jesus wept when Lazarus died. He dined at the well-appointed homes of the wealthy, like Zacchaeus and Simon the Pharisee and Matthew the tax collector. In other words, the problem is not that you have possessions The problem begins when your possessions have you. Do you own them or do they own you? Put it this way. If you lost all your possessions, your house, your car, your savings account, your jewelry, your credit cards, your cash, or your phone, well, forget all the other things. What if you just lost your phone? If that happened tomorrow, would you still be as happy as you are today? A Christian should be able to answer that question with an unhesitating yes. But tragically, when the stock market crashed back in 1929, some Americans committed suicide. Why? Because their peace was tied to their prosperity. They didn't own their possessions. Their possessions owned them. That is why Jesus said, our life does not consist of possessions. 
Let me give you two examples of how we can overcome our obsession with possession. They are taken from two movies. Did you ever see that great movie Schindler's List with Liam Neeson? He plays a German industrialist who saved over a thousand Jews during the Holocaust of World War II by hiring them to work in his factories. But for most of the movie, though, he's only interested in making more money. But in the final scene, those thousands of Jews who were saved by him thank him by giving him a ring that says on it, a man who saves one life saves the world. Then Schindler breaks down crying and sobbing, saying how selling his car could have saved another 10 people. He grabs his lapel ring and made of gold and says, this could have saved another person, maybe two. He falls to his knees crying and all the Jews huddle around and give him a hug. I always cry whenever I see that scene. In the end, Schindler had overcome his obsession with possession because people became his priority instead of possessions. The second movie is the timeless classic A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens featuring the fearful Ebenezer Scrooge. You may remember that the three ghosts visit Ebenezer on Christmas Eve and teach him the meaning of Christmas is giving not getting. Who can forget the final funny scene with Scrooge running and dancing through the, through the streets? In one version, he's in his pajamas, out in the snow, nutty as a fruitcake, generously helping everyone he meets. Dickens ends his book with these delightful lines. Scrooge became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city ever knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. And he concludes, And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well, if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of us, and all of us. And so as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. In other words, Christmas is the cure for American greed. Because Christmas means giving and not getting. Praise be Jesus Christ.